pray so we can get started. Um, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are faithful, God. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Father, that you keep being faithful. That you are so good, Lord. That no matter what's happening, Father God, you are still faithful. That we're never too far, God. We're never too lost. We're never too broken. That you are our Father, God, and all things are good in your arms, Lord. So we just, Father, we just invite that love. We, we invite your fatherhood tonight here in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope uh, you guys had a good week. I had a good week. Um, the, the end of the week was kind of rough for me, you know. Um, the, thing, the things that have kind of been happening around the world, last week it, it was Dallas, uh, this week it was France, and um, it's just kind of crazy, you know, and um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really like to go to the news and read the news because I, 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 I try to, like, not know the bad stuff that's going around in the world, you know. I, 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 I'm very, like, protective about what I think, like what, what, what I'm kind of feeding my mind and what I'm putting my eyes to. So I'm not, a, I'm not big on like news, you know, but, um, but Thursday, um, I, had a, a, I have a coworker that I noticed that <laughs> towards the end of the day, he just seemed kind of down and, and I, I asked him when he came in, I said like, hey, Mike, uh, what's going on? Like, are you okay? You know, um, you feel a little like down and and he says, oh, well, man, there's, like, there's been another, like, terrorist attack in France, and, like, you know, a lot of people died, and, um, like, this guy just, like, uh, ran his truck into people, and, and I, I, I watched the video, and, and it's just, like, I'm pretty messed up right now. And, you know, and I was just, I talked to him for a little bit, and, you know, one thing that, that I know about is that, like, one of the things that, you know, I, I'm not a big social media person, and I'm not, uh, I'm not on social media, but I really do think that, you know, I think that social media is good. You get connected to people and, and stuff like that, but I, I, one of the things I don't like about it is that, like, like we're, that stuff is available now that shouldn't be available. Like, like there's kids watching people get shot on TV and like people get run over. I, I just, I don't agree with that. Like, I, like that stuff happens, I know. And like, you want to get informed, but like, we can't, like, I just feel like that stuff cannot be on, on, on public, it's for the public to see, for kids to watch. Like, it's just not a good thing to cultivate, you know? And um, so, you know, I, I didn't really check it out till like, Today, I went on, online and I just checked out CNN and I kind of wanted to know what happened. And I went on there and I read the story and, 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 and I, I read, you know, the, they have this like, who are the victims thing. And, and I went on there and I saw that there's this, there was this seven-year-old kid uh, with his dad. They, they died there and, and they're from Texas, uh, from Austin, Texas. And, and, and I just read, you know, his story, who this kid was, and like his school put this whole thing out where it's like we knew you, we loved you, and all these things, and 
And I, I saw that. And when I saw that, it's rough. And it just reminded me of, uh, of my nephew, Nathan. And I thought, like, you know, that's somebody's nephew. That's somebody's uh, son. That's somebody's brother. That's somebody's, you know, just friend. And, uh, and you can't, we, as a church, as a church, we can't ignore that stuff, you know? We, we have to, and I think for a long time, the church has remained silent about these things. And, and, um, but the thing that we have to understand that we have call, been called for this time, that we have been called to be the salt of the earth, that we're actually supposed to care for our country and for what's going on, that we're not called just, just to be silent, but we're called to actually care and to keep things alive. You know that salt keeps things alive and fresh. And that we're called to be the salt of the earth. And, and so let's keep it alive. You know, the church can't be like this thing anymore. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the followers of Jesus Christ. Nowadays, you know, anybody can be a Christian. It doesn't matter how you live and what you do. It's like anybody's a Christian. But I'm talking about the followers of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the disciples of Jesus, the people that are actually following Jesus. You know, you, you can't stand, we can't stand by the side and watch the world burn and then say, I told you so. We can't, lay, we can't stand by the side and say, well, you know, like, the Bible said that that was going to happen. See, God calls us to be the salt of the earth. You know, and I, I was sitting over there, and, and during worship, man, that worship was amazing. Like, Belen, amazing. Man, you're, you're like, you're called to sing breakthrough over people. And, and I was sitting in that, while worshiping, and, and God was saying, God was saying, you know, it's time for the sons of God, for my sons, to get between this world's reaping and sowing. For so long, we've talked about a word of, 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 you know, you reap what you sow, and that's true. In this world, we reap what we sow, right? But you know that there's three, three types of living. There's like where you're reaping, where, where you're sowing, and you're sowing, and you're sowing, and you're cursed. And so what you sow, you never get anything back. And then there's reaping and sowing that what you sow, that like, it's so amazing that what you, plant, you put in the ground, it comes back and gives you fruit. And that's what, when, God, when Jesus came, he lifted up that curse, and now we reap and we sow. But there's another thing, like where we live from inheritance, where we live, where we don't have to do anything with the sweat of our brow, but we just inherit something from God, from our Father. But we have to be sons to do that. We have to be sons to inherit something. And so, you know, for so long we say this thing, you know, well, you reap what you sow. And we say it in a, in a very condemning way, in a very accusing way. And we're like, hey, man, you, you know, you messed up. Now you got to live with the consequences. But the thing is, like, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is not for you to stand there and watch the world burn. And, not, and, and he didn't call the church to not do anything and just wait for the end to come. And for so long, that has disabled the church. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Like, and, and for so long, that's disabled the church that, hey, like, 
you know, I'm not planning anything. I'm not doing anything because Jesus is going to come tonight. You know, what can I do? I mean, like, uh, that, you know, there's wars going on and people killing each other. But you know what? It is written. And the thing is, like, no. Like, we got we to gotta look at things from God's point of view. We got to look at things and discern things from God's heart. And God, is, God was telling me in there, my church, my children, they have to get in between this world's reaping and sowing. Because this is a broken and a lost world. This is a broken and a lost world. This is an orphan planet that needs a father desperately. You know, I was having a conversation with my coworkers some time ago, and, and, and it was like when the first all these bad things were happening, and, and she was saying, like, why, you know, I, why is this stuff happening? This is crazy, and, and all of this. And, and, and I just said, you know, and you know what we tend to do in those times? We tend to say, like, yeah, you know what? Like, the world just needs Jesus. Or hashtag, I'm going to pray for you. Or, you know, uh, you know, well, you know, we just, uh, they need to go back to God. But the thing is, like, that doesn't, like, you don't, you don't have to understand that that doesn't mean anything. Like, you, you, like, Jesus looks like something. Jesus is not just a hashtag. He's not just like, I'm going to pray for you. Like, you need Jesus. No, you have to understand that this is a generation. Our generation is one that wants to touch, feel, smell. They want to be in contact. They want to see who Jesus is. And I got news for you. Jesus was never scared of showing the power that he had. He was never scared of healing people. He was never scared of liberating people. He was never scared to show love. But now we, the church is powerless. Because all it is is words. All it is is scriptures. All it is is hashtags. And so Jesus looks like something. You know, when people look at you, they're supposed to see Jesus. When, look, when people look at us, they're supposed to see Jesus. When they talk to you, they're supposed to hear Jesus. When you touch them, they're supposed to be touched by Jesus. But now, it, you know, the church... You know why the, the church is powerless? Because it's, because the, you know, the people leading the church are powerless. Because for so long, it's just been about the word and getting the word right. But there's no power. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no love. There's just a bunch of, you know, uh, there's just a bunch of, you know, gifts and, 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 and word. And can I preach the word, like, so it sounds really good? Can I perform? But there's no heart of God. There's, no, there's not the, the heart of the Father. And so people are hungry for answers. People are in, in lunchrooms, in waiting rooms, and, and walking down the street, and they're asking why. You know, people are, uh, you're, you're starting to see before, you see cracks in the wall, but now you're starting to see the walls falling down. And people are starting to say, starting to think, even those people, even your coworkers that don't know anything about God, they know there's something wrong. They know there's something wrong. And so they're looking for answers. They're, they're asking why. 
And they're asking, what can we do? And I just implore you that, that when, you, when you talk to these people, when you go out there and talk to nations, and you talk to, to you know, neighborhoods, and you talk to your neighbors and your coworkers, that you do it from the heart of God. That we do it with life. You know, because the thing is, right now, we're in the valley of dead bones. And God is asking you, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And it's up to us to decide if those bones can live. You know, when Jesus was here and he walked the earth, he didn't walk around building some, some sort of corporate church or, you know, let's all get together at this house or whatever. No. He was introducing people to the Father. Wherever, where, wherever he went, he was introducing people to the Father. He, made, he came to make a family. He, he came to make disciples. People, children that would look like him. See, the hope of glory is that Jesus would be in us. The fullness of Christ in us. So that when somebody sees us, they see Christ in us. The hope of glory. So when somebody talks to you on the street, like they hear Jesus. You know, at Bible study, Bible study was awesome this week. Kevin had a testimony and hopefully he shares it soon. But, you know, he's talking, he stopped by, talked to some cops. I'm just going to paraphrase it. He talks to some cops and he says, you know, he just blesses them. And then other people see him do it, and they're like, well, we're with you there. We love that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so that's, that's being Jesus. It's bringing that love to where there is no love. Bringing honor where there is no honor. Bringing mercy where there is no mercy. I want to share with you some statistics about fatherhood. says 23% of U.S. children live in a, in a house that is absent from a father. 23%. In 2011, children living with the female-headed homes with no spouse present had a poverty rate of 50%. And there's this quote that I got from fathers.com. More than 20 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a, nation, as, as a national emergency. You might say, why are we talking about fatherhood? Well, because it takes a son to introduce the Father. See, you can't meet the Father if you're not introduced to Him by the Son. You know, I, I'm sure it happens, it happened a lot of times when you were growing up, you'd go over to your friend's house and you'd go over and, and then your friend would introduce you to the, his, their parents. You, you can't know the Father if it's not through the Son. And the world cannot know the Father if it's not through you. This is a fatherless world. This is, a, this is an orphan planet that needs a father very desperately. 
and can only have it through you. You know, we always say like, you know, uh, yeah, you know, we, they, they need Jesus. You know, they need Jesus. But see, what they need is Jesus through you. Through every believer, through every disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, what they need is to see Jesus through you. I'm preaching to, ev- to me, all of us here. You know, Romans says that creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. It doesn't say creation is groaning for the slaves of God to be revealed. It doesn't say that creation is groaning for the servants of God to be revealed. It says that creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Why? Because only sons can bring the kingdom of heaven. You know, sons, they're different than servants. They're different than slaves. Because sons don't work for money. Sons don't work for fame or money. They don't do it because they, they, they need to do it or because they should do it. They do it because they have the Father's heart. You know, and sometimes we're, do, we're doing stuff, the church is doing stuff because they're trying to get righteousness, because they're trying to do good deeds because they want to earn something, or because they're trying to gain salvation. But we're not working towards salvation. We're not working to earn our sonship. We're working from sonship and from salvation. We're doing good works from the righteousness that's already been bought for us. So the Father sends his Son to us. Let's go to Matthew 3, chapter 3, verse 16. You can say amen when you have it. All right, so it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. See, God the Father sent Jesus so that he could introduce us to himself. You know, this was an orphan world before Jesus came. Nobody was a son. You know that in the Old Testament, there's only a handful of times that God is actually directed as father. And when I mean father, I mean like, like father, father. And those were by the prophets. Because the prophets were able to see what everybody else or experience what everybody else couldn't. And that in the New Testament after Jesus, there's more than 200 times that God is called Abba. in that Abba was first used by by Jesus, that he introduced our Father God to us as Abba, that we could come to God as our Father. So God is telling us something. He's telling us that it's a family affair, that that we're not just servants or slaves, but that we're family, that we're children of God, and that we have destiny and inheritance. 
You know, when Jesus said, let the children come to me, he was talking about us. He was saying, let my children come back to me. He was saying what the father was saying. And it was like, I want my children back. And that's why he sent Jesus, so that we could be his children again. You know, Jesus was sent to reconcile the world to the Father. And we have that same ministry. God, Jesus gave us that same ministry. He gave us the responsibility of doing that same ministry. We're not here to judge. We're not here to condemn. We're not here to stand to the side and say, I told you so. But we're here to love and introduce, introduce the Father to the world. You know, some people say, like, well, you know, he was called Father before and, and he was called Father after. But actually, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus because he was calling himself the Son of God. And he was using the literal term, I am a Son of God. You know, the church that God built and he's still building, the church is not a corporation. It's not four walls. The church is a family. Jesus came to put the family of God together. He sent Jesus to teach us the Father's ways, to instruct us in his ways, in the ways that we should go in the way that we should think in the way that we should do things in the way that we should love the way that we should forgive the ways of the kingdom you know I have this thing that I've been telling people is God doesn't always necessarily want to tell you what to do God wants to teach you how to think and how to do things. You know, it's like when I think about it and, you know, with my nieces and nephews, I sometimes we're playing, right? And, and you know, when they're small and they're, they're trying to get on the couch and, and, and they're struggling getting their little knee up and trying to get their other foot over. And, and you know, you can make it easy for them. And you can push them up on the couch or you can let them build strength. God is not always going to tell you what to do because he's not so much interested in the, in the right now, but in who you're going to become. God wants you to think like him. God is teaching you how to be like him. He doesn't want to, he's not, you're not a slave where you're, where you're like, okay, God, here, you want me to do this? You want, you know, obviously in the Christian life, we're going to have those things. We're going to have times where we're, we're serving God and we're, and we're doing what he's asking us to do. But, but he is actually bringing up sons and daughters, not slaves and servants. He is interested in sons and daughters. Jesus came so that we wouldn't be orphans. Let's go to John 14, chapter 14, verse 18. 
say amen when you're there. All right, so John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you in a little while. The world will see, you, see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me. I am in you. Whoever has my, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. All this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. See, Jesus came to teach us his ways. And when he left, he didn't leave us orphans. He left the Holy Spirit so that his spirit would be inside of us. And so what made him a son, what, what guided him in his sonship here on earth, what taught him in his walk here on earth, would also guide us and teach us here in our walk on earth. So that we could have the same things that Jesus had here on earth. Let's go to Romans 8. Verse 14, it says, For all who are led by my Spirit, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you receive a spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus brought, he opened a door for us. He opened a way so that we could be sons and daughters of God. So that we could also come before God and say, Abba, Father, the way that he did. We're not orphans anymore. You know, Jesus needed to come because we were orphans. We didn't know who our father was. And so we were lost and we were broken. And so this world is lost and broken and they need a father. But only, only a son can introduce them to the father. So it's up to us to introduce our father to them. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, God takes us in, right? He takes us into our family, into his family. But we still sometimes manage to take that orphan spirit with us into the house of God. And, and sometimes we don't live like children of God, like sons and daughters of God. But we live like orphans in the Father's house. And we don't realize what God has given us. We don't realize that there's an abundance. We don't realize that there's a power. We don't realize that there's a spirit guiding us. And that we have so much to offer. Let's go to uh, Luke 15. 
I want to talk about the orphan spirit a little bit. Luke 15, verse 11. We're going to read uh, 11 to 22, but see if we can get through it. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued. This is a parable of the lost son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Another version says, the son said, give me my, my inheritance. And the actual, the version says that it was, uh, it was, he said it in dishonor to the father. Like, I wonder why this son, all of a sudden decided to like, ask for his inheritance and leave. You know, and I, I just feel like, this son was living in the father's house, but he had an orphan spirit. See, I feel like this son didn't feel like a son. He felt like a worker. He felt like a slave, like a servant. And he thought he was working for something. He thought that I'm in my father's house and I'm working here, but, but I'm working for an inheritance. I'm working to earn something. And I feel like sometimes we're in our Christian life, in our walk with God, we're walking that way. We're like, we're walking to earn something. We're walking to catch the sun. And it's all a mental thing. We're not walking to catch anything. We already have everything. We're, we're living from inheritance. We're not waiting for our dad to die and get the inheritance. We're living from our inheritance. I also feel like he was entitled, you know? Like he didn't want to wait for his inheritance. He didn't want to go through the process. He didn't want to, he didn't want to go through the process of waiting and, and working for inheritance. You know, sometimes we don't want to go through the process. Sometimes we want everything right now. Sometimes we say, why isn't it happening tomorrow or today? I want it right now. I want my inheritance right now. I want the things that you promised me right now. And we don't, we don't, we don't see that there's a process to it. And that that process is actually good for us. That it's building character and integrity. So that when we get that inheritance, it doesn't kill us. So that when we get that inheritance, we don't squander it away. You know, because it's not always about what you're doing, but it's how you're doing it. It's, an, it's not about where you are right now, but where you're going. And he was selfish. He thought about himself. He didn't think about his family. He didn't think about the family business. He thought about himself. What, what give me my thing so that I could go do my thing. There's no honor. He had no honor for his father. He had no honor for the inheritance that was his. You know, the other day, we went to a wedding, a good friend's wedding, and, and we went there. And you know that as a church, 
we have to mix up? Like, we're called to be the light in the dark. We're called to be the flavor where there is no flavor. We're called to be the color in dullness. For so many, the church is so used to just being under a cubicle or something. We just want to stick together all the time. But who are we reaching out to? Who, who are we touching? Where are we spreading the light? If all we want to do is just hang out with each other. You can't put the light under a bucket and call it church. We got to reach out to people. The only way you're going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world is if you're in places where they need light and they need salt. So we were at this wedding and we sat by this young couple and, and the guy was telling me how, you know, his parents immigrated and, and they, they had like a, a, a business and a home and, and um, it was good and he had a good job. But, and then he said, but you know what, I, I, I really, what I really want to do is I want to I want to go start my own thing. I want to move out of state and I want to start my own thing. Just like start my, my thing from, just from, from scratch. And I told them, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go and reinvent the wheel when the wheel's already been invented? Why would you want to dishonor what your parents did and go start your new thing somewhere else? Why not build upon what your parents put for you and built for you. You know? The parents spent so many years working hard, sacrificing to put a good foundation down for you. Why would you want to disgrace that? Why would you want to dishonor that? Because see, what happens is that's the orphan mentality. I want to go somewhere else and do my own thing, do my new thing. And you know what happens? Is you never do anything. Because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to make it. But not, why not build on top of somebody that's already made it for you? And sometimes we're not able to walk or live in inheritance because we dishonor inheritance, because we don't recognize it. It's sitting right there. Our fathers, our mothers, our grandmothers, it's sitting right there. You know, it's, it's a truth that nobody really thinks about. Jesus said, one of the first things that he said, honor your father and your mother and you'll have a long life. This is something that he said, teach like your young children, teach your children to honor their father and their mother. Why? Because he knows that through honor, you will inherit stuff. You know, <laughs> there is a season when my beautiful wife and I were going through <sighs> just intense fellowship all the time. You know, you, when you're married, you go through those seasons. You know, it's just, the, you know, sometimes wives don't recognize, you know, that you're right all the time. 
But we were, you know, we were going through, through a season of intense fellowship. Like, and, and you, know, it, you know, when it gets to the point where you're like, oh, what's going on? You know, like, ugh. And, and it had been like a couple weeks of just like, ugh, intense. And I was driving home one day, right? I was driving home one day, and I was, and I was just talking to God, and I was telling him, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Like, Lord, have mercy on her. Like, you know. And then God told me, I heard God say, you, you, like, you, want, you want to know what's going on? You know what the problem is? And he's like, you're aligning yourself with, the, you're aligning yourself with an orphan spirit. Like, you have the mentality of an orphan. And he took me back. It's like, it's like, it's like God shows you these pictures out of nowhere. And, and he took me back and he said, you know, your father was an orphan. His father left, didn't grow up with the father. And his father was an orphan. His father left. Grew up with only his mom, and he had to survive. And your father had to survive from when he was like four or five years old. And your father left. Don't you realize what's going on here? That you have a curse of an orphan spirit, and that thing is not letting you love right. That thing is not letting you be selfless. And I thought, yeah, God, I never thought about that. And you see, the thing is, if you're not, if you can't be a son, see, I didn't, my, my grandfather didn't get to be a son because he had no father. My father didn't get to be a son because he had no father. And I had a, had a part-time father. See, a real father is not disengaged. A real father doesn't provide just for your provision, your food, in a, in a shelter. A real father is there for you every day. A real father teaches you, instructs you, guides you in the way that you should go. A real father teaches you how to be a father, how to be a husband. God isn't, God isn't running an orphanage here. I got a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm finishing. God isn't running an orphanage. He's not... He, he, doesn't, he didn't bring us in to get us off the street so that we could have a meal, so that we could have somewhere to sleep. He gave birth to children, to sons and daughters. You know that orphans dream? You know that they dream, right? That they have dreams and aspirations. But you know what happens? They have no resources because they have no father. Sometimes we're living like orphans in the father's house. 
and we think that God is only going to provide for us our meal, the roof over our head, but that he's not going to make our dreams come alive. And I'm telling you, God did not die for a bunch of orphans. He died so that he could give birth to sons and daughters. And this is what this world needs. See, it needs sons. You know why? Because today's sons will be tomorrow's fathers. And tomorrow's fathers will father nations. And this is what this world needs is fathers. And you, you, I read the statistics. That's why our world is broken. That's why our world is hurting. Because we are in a fatherless world. And we need to be the children of God that introduce this world to the Father. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.